This season of Things Not Seen is sponsored in part by Loyola University's Institute for Pastoral Studies. Find out more at luc.edu slash ips. From PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and Sandberg Media, LLC, I'm David Dalt with Things Not Seen. was, you know, I think tackling the same question of what is the best way to leverage the church's resources to address global problems of food security and, and poverty. And basically just being there for them to, to, make, to help make sure their projects are successful. You're listening to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Joelle Burge, Vice President for Lending at Missio Invest, an international organization that combats global hunger and poverty by transforming underutilized church-owned farmland into sustainable sources of food, jobs, and self-sufficiency. She joined Missio in June of 2017. She had gone to school at the Wharton School and the Lauder Institute at the University of Pennsylvania. She's worked at a variety of financial and brokerage firms, and she is going to be telling us about the work that Missio Invest is doing around the globe to help to bring self-sustainable entrepreneurship to developing countries. Joel Burge, welcome to Things Not Seen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to start out by asking you a couple questions about what Missio Invest is and what it does. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the organization? Sure. So Missio Invest was born out of the um, Pontifical Mission Societies, or Missio, in the United States about four years ago now. So the, the Pontifical Mission Societies is, for, for those who don't know, is essentially the, the Vatican's channel for mission work around the globe or for development work around the globe. You know, offices in almost every country, and including the U.S. And the Pontifical Mission Societies in the U.S., in 2014, decided to respond to a, a call from from Pope Francis. So Pope Francis made a speech to the Food and Agriculture Organization where he talked about how food security is a persistent problem and there's ample food production in the world and yet millions are still starving and kind of called on the church to use for resources to address that problem. So that was the seed, if you'll pardon the pun, the seed for this initiative. And it started within the Pontifical Mission Societies in the U.S. and has over time grown into its own initiative and now its own entity. And the goal is identifying, as you mentioned, underutilized church-owned land starting in Africa which can be made more productive and turned into sources of food, jobs, and and sustainable income for these for the religious communities in Africa that own them, as well as the, the surrounding communities. So each of these farms that we work with is managed by a a priest or a nun who is 
more, so is the farm manager, but is more than just a farmer. He or she is running schools, hospitals, women's counseling programs, and by giving them the tools that they need to make their farms more productive, we're helping them to to not only improve the profitability of their farms, but also to have downstream impact on all of the, the social services that they provide to, to the community and healthcare, ed- education, and otherwise. So that is kind of the general principle and, and goal. Um, and the way that we do that is through financing, currently through low-interest loans, as well as technical assistance. So agricultural and, and business and financial training and advisory and, and accompaniment throughout the period of the loans and, and beyond. So that is if you invest in a nutshell. <laughs> well, let's take a couple of steps back. And so you mentioned that it's part of a, of a pontifical institute, and that means that it's connected to the Vatican. And so help us understand what that connection is like. So this, this organization is an outgrowth, first of all, of the Catholic Church. Is that correct? Yes. So yes, so the, the Pontifical Mission Society has been in existence for the last 200 years, and it has been the Vatican's arm for mission work around the globe. And so the Pontifical Mission Societies in the U.S., as part of that mission, you know, calling to do mission work around the globe, wanted to do something for food security and self-sustainability starting in Africa. Tell us a little bit about some of the countries in which Missio is working. Where's your footprint right now? Sure. So we started in Kenya and Uganda and have since expanded to Zambia, Malawi, Nigeria, Ghana, Tanzania, and Rwanda. So we have pretty extensive footprint. Um, and currently we have active projects or active loans in in five of those countries, in Kenya, Uganda, Zambia, Malawi, and Nigeria. And then Tanzania and Ghana and, and soon after Rwanda are, are next in line to um, continue uh, expanding our operations. That's amazing. And if you will, why don't you share with, with our listeners a little bit about what brought you specifically to this line of work? How did you come to be working for Missio Invest? Sure. As you mentioned briefly, I started my career in traditional finance in banking and private equity and just felt that I, I wanted to do something that felt more meaningful, something that I think is is common um, among people working in the in the financial industry, um, something that had had more tangible impact. So that led me to to go back to school to get an MBA and an MA in international studies and to kind of focus on ways that I could utilize that investing toolkit towards the causes that I was passionate about. And so Missio or Missio Invest was particularly interesting to me because it was a way to leverage leverage my background and my experience towards global development, but also, um, you know, towards my faith as a, as a Catholic. And so it was a you know, way to kind of combine my 
technical skill set with my with my faith and with my um, you know social interest as well. Now, sometimes when we talk about social impact investing, we hear terms like double bottom line, and we hear terms like socially conscious investing. Would Missio Invest be an example of that kind of double bottom line? And if so, what does that mean? Or is there a better term for the kind of work that Missio Invest is doing? Yes, great question. So. So double bottom line typically means financial and social. So the the kind of, you know, my my old work was single bottom line, bottom line being the financial profits. And then double bottom line is typically adding in some sort of social impact. Some people talk about triple bottom line, which is financial, social, and environmental. I would say Missio Invest addresses all of those three and then maybe even adds a fourth element, uh, you know, a quadruple bottom line, if you will, which is the spiritual impact because all of these farms that we work with are, um, as I mentioned, managed by priests and nuns that are, you know, not only providing food and health care and education to their communities, but they're also serving as the parish priest, you know, for a rural community in Zambia where, you know, there might not be another parish for miles or they're serving as kind of a, a spiritual beacon for, for their communities beyond the, the typical um, development aspects. Well, and you mentioned uh, Pope Francis being one of the the ones who helped to initiate the felt need for a program like Missio Invest. One of the things that gets referenced is Pope Francis's call for, and this is his quote, a unity between profit and solidarity. Can you help my listeners understand what Pope Francis meant when he was talking about that kind of unity between profit and solidarity? Sure. So um, solidarity is, is something that we think a lot about. And I think that's one thing that differentiates us maybe from other impact investors or other development finance organizations. So as being connected to the Pontifical Mission Societies, we, you know, in essence, are the church lending to and assisting the church. So it's it's not the typical us, them that sometimes gets created. And in global development, where the the more developed country is having a un, sort of unidirectional relationship with the country being assisted, it's it's really an us us relationship, and we as the you know as the church or or working with and through the church in the U.S. are just giving our brothers and sisters in Africa the tools that they need to realize their full potential, and so you know it's. It's us utilizing utilizing our profits in the U.S. to to provide those tools, and then also with the goal of helping our brothers and sisters in Africa to to earn their own profits, so that they can then sustain themselves, and then ultimately so that they can you know be not just beneficiaries, but can become benefactors as well. I mean, we like to remember here that. The U.S. was actually mission territory until 1908 and received funding from the Pontifical Mission Societies until 1908. And now, you know, now look at how, how self-sufficient the U.S. is, is probably, you know, one of the biggest benefactors in the world. So we, we would like to 
to see each of the countries we work with progress along that journey. And then that's what they're that's what they're really asking for. They're asking to be you know, the the protagonists of their own development. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Joelle Burge. She's Vice President for Lending at Missio Invest. We'll be back in a moment. Things Not Seen is brought to you in part by Liturgical Press. Liturgical Press is a trusted publisher of resources on liturgy, scripture, theology, and spirituality. They've evolved to serve the changing needs of the Christian church, and they produce resources for pastoral leaders, teachers, engaged learners, and all leaders looking for quality books on faith and culture. Lit Press books are available at your favorite book retailer and online at litpress.org. That's litpress.org. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Joel Burge, Vice President for Lending at Missio Invest, an international organization that combats global hunger and poverty by transforming underutilized church-owned farmland into sustainable sources of food, jobs, and self-sufficiency. For listeners who may be unfamiliar with the way that the Catholic Church is structured, we mentioned earlier in the first segment that the programs of Missio Invest are staffed by priests, but they're also staffed by Catholic religious orders. And for those that may be unfamiliar with what we mean when we say this, help us to understand what we mean when we talk about religious brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church. Sure. So now, if yeah, if we're thinking about the sisters and priests and brothers that we work with in, in Africa. They could be parish priests of local local parishes. They could be they could be seminaries, institutes for training future priests. Uh, many of those seminaries have farms and they then for the sisters and brothers, that means congregations that were formed by typically formed by a local bishop to address a particular need in that area. So to to give you a a sort of interesting example, one of the congregations that we recently worked with and gave a loan to in Zambia is the Sisters of the Child Jesus, which was established in 1926 by Bishop uh, Etienne LaRue. The idea for this congregation began when, after Mass one day, a girl, a little girl, shared with the priest her wish to become a priest like him. And he heard this story from the priest, came to the bishop, and it became clear to him that God was calling these girls to religious life. So he, he saw a need to found a local indigenous congregation of religious sisters, nuns in Zambia, and then founded this this congregation of the Sisters of Child Jesus to basically just serve the needs of the community in this uh, what's what's in the sort of northern corner of Zambia. So currently today there are 140 nuns in this congregation and working in 24 different ministries across the country, and they are quite a prolific congregation. They have a hospital which serves. 180 um, 180 beds, an orphanage with 120 children, two schools with serving over 400 children. Actually, that's three schools serving almost a thousand children across them, as well as a daycare center and a, a home craft center. So, 
that's what these sisters do in their in their social ministry. And on top of all of that, they also have a farm. So we gave one sister in particular, who is not only a, um, a nun and a you know a teacher in their school, but a trained agriculturalist with 20 years farming experience and and a degree in accounting. So we we gave her a loan to realize her her plans for expanding the farming business with the goal that this farm when it starts to become more profitable, can then fund the needs of, of these hospitals and schools and, you know, enable them to accept more children and to, to provide more services on top of what they're already doing. So that's one example of, of the types of organizations we work with. So let me make sure that I'm hearing you correctly. So there, so there are ordained priests who work with the church as pastors. But then there are also these religious orders that are founded by bishops, and these religious orders can be male or female, and they they can then be sort of pointed towards a recognized need in that community. Am I hearing that correctly? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and so when these various orders are raised up, I just want to be clear to my listeners, this doesn't mean that you're ordaining these people as priests themselves, because the, the little girl that you mentioned in your story, she wanted to become a priest, but instead the bishop gave her a path to become a nun. Am I hearing that correctly? Yes, yes, that's correct. You know, it's just one example of, it's often, um, you know, for these local um Indigenous orders. It's often um, a, a bishop that founds it to address a need, or there, you know, there are international orders as well that might have a base in, you know, say Europe or the U.S., and then they have sort of additional locations or outposts in, in various countries in Africa. So we we work with those international orders as well. Well, this one nun that you mentioned, she had an amazing resume of skills. So she had she had expertise in agriculture, but also in finance. Did I hear that correctly? That is correct. Yes, she has a a diploma in accounting as well as a certificate in general uh, in general agriculture. Yeah, she was she was an interesting. So I I met her um, in in Zambia when we we did a, a sort of um, agripreneurship training program, and she was so impressive, particularly because of the finance skills that you mentioned, which. Um, a lot of the other sisters didn't have. And so the next time I went back to Zambia, another one of the sisters was telling me, you know, I just came back from a nine-hour drive up to see Sister Mary so that she could help me with the financials for my farm business plan. So this Sister Mary Chilengue um, was, you know, so skilled that she was helping each of the other Project each of the other priest and nun project leaders to um, to develop the financials for their farm. A couple of times in our conversation, you've used this term agripreneurship. I wonder if you could flesh that out for us, sort of expand on that. And what does agripreneurship mean? Sure. So we like to think of the priest and nuns running these farms as as entrepreneurs, and that they are they're coming up with with a business idea with an idea for taking the land they have and expanding it, you know, um, making it more productive. And it just happens to be that their business idea is 
is based on based on farming, based on the you know the land that their institution is attached to. I, I, I would like to say that we coined the term, but I, I I think there might be some other people using it as well. So we've kind of fused the the agribusiness aspect with the entrepreneurial business generation and management, um, and and that's that's really what these what these priests and nuns are are doing to to push these projects forward. You mentioned the connectionality between that one community where they needed the skills and the sister in the other community who had the skills. Is that the kind of thing that you're doing to help local leaders access the kind of training that they need? Or are you doing other programs to help to make sure that local leaders have access to finance training and to support of that nature? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd love to talk about assistance. We call it kind of technical assistance as the umbrella term for all the, the support services we provide. So for each country where we set out to do this, we provide business and financial management training and advisory training and support. So sometimes that is taken the form of a course where they they all come together and we provide training. So that was that was what we did in, in Zambia. You know, I I provided some some basic training, and then we had a, a partnership with a local university that provided training. So there's that aspect, and then we also have agricultural advisory from subject matter experts in each of the the crops and and animals that they're that they're working with. So we have local agricultural partners in each country that go out and visit the farms and conduct soil tests and work with these priests and nuns to make sure that they're optimizing, um, optim- really optimizing the use of their land and addressing any any problems that might arise. So those are kind of the two, the two aspects of training and support. And then once they get along from us, there's, there's ongoing monitoring and support throughout the life of that investment relationships. So um, there's support to help them prepare financial reports as well as impact measurement reports. That's just as important to us as the financial reporting. So, um, you know, they, they're all having impact, but um, most of them have never really thought about writing it down and measuring it. So we work with them to help convey that story and, and quantify the impact even. And so that's kind of the the general um, theme of, of support. And in terms of the, the project leaders helping each other, that is something that we like to foster. And, and I think one of the, the unique opportunities that we have at, through the Catholic Church Network, um, because unlike other um, development agencies that might try to finance agriculture in Africa, we have the ability to source, connect, and aggregate farms across, you know, basically across the continent, across, you know, every far reaches of, of pretty much every country through this church network and through the lo- our, our partners in the local church on the ground that are able to help us make those connections between you know, Sister Mary, who does the finance with Sister Christine, and, you know, halfway across the country that doesn't know how to do finance. So that's a kind of unique aspect of, of the church network. 
But I'm also hearing that you're bringing into those networks of connectivity both international expertise, but also, and this was clear in what you were saying, local expertise. So someone who has knowledge about how to farm that particular bit of land in that area is going to be turned to as an expert as well. So it's not a one-size-fits-all solution, is it? Exactly, yes. We've been very clear from the beginning that we want this to be locally led and locally driven. Um, you know, we are um, uh, very humble and acknowledge what, um, what the, the limit to what we can do here from here from the U.S., you know, for me here from New York, and, and I acknowledge that um, locally led technical assistance and monitoring is, is really what's going to make this a success. So that's part of what we provide. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Joel Burge, Vice President for Lending at Missio Invest, an international organization that combats global hunger and poverty by transforming underutilized church-owned farmland into sustainable sources of food, jobs, and self-sufficiency. We'll be back in a moment. Things Not Seen is made possible in part through the generosity of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them, please go to patreon.com slash notseenradio. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash notseenradio. Thank you. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Each week on our program, we bring you a rich conversation about culture and faith. We're speaking today with Joelle Burge. She's vice president for lending at Missio Invest, an international organization that combats global hunger and poverty by transforming underutilized church-owned farmland into sustainable sources of food, jobs, and self-sufficiency. Over the years, I've had some cynical friends of mine who have said that the church should just sell all of its real estate and all of its treasures, and it should just give all that to the poor. And I'm wondering, Joel Burge, first of all, would that approach work, in your opinion, to combat global poverty? And if it doesn't work, why might that not be the best long-term approach to these massive problems? Sure. So our goal with Miss You Invest was, you know, I think, tackling the same question of what is the best way to leverage the church's resources to address global problems of food security and, and poverty. And we identified two main resources that the church has. You know, one, land. There's particularly in Africa, there's a lot of arable land. And then two, more importantly, people. And, you know, as I've described earlier, these nuns and, and priests are people who have devoted their lives to serving others. And unlike maybe other targets for impact investors, impact is really their core business before we even have a relationship with them. And so for us, the way to leverage those resources and to help them to empower them to stand up on their own after we're out of the picture is to help them towards the path of financial self-sustainability. So, you know, the traditional model, and not just in the church, but in development, has been just sending sending grant money to address needs, kind of a one-directional, unidirectional relationship. And that 
has its place and is is still important to you know particularly to address you know, humanitarian crises and and other emergency situations, but it can create a cycle of dependency and it it doesn't lead to ultimately solving the problem and eliminating the the donor or the benefactor from the picture, which is our ultimate goal. So our goal in helping these mission territories to become self-sustainable is to um, give them the tools to make their own profits so that they don't even have to think of, you know, we and they don't even, don't even have to think about selling the real estate, selling the land. It's, you know, rather than rather than sell it, which is a one-time transaction, why not learn to turn it into a recurring revenue stream, which will sustain the sustain that congregation, sustain that country, you know, in, into the future, and particularly, you know, in, in in places like Africa where grant funding, you know, particularly in the churches, is maybe going down over the years. This, need to become financially self-sustainable is is growing ever more important and having a sustainable, you know, recurring source of financial sustainability is is becoming ever more present and um and we see um agribusiness as one of the ways that they can do that. Well, you mentioned a moment ago these individual impact investors and I I think another objection that oftentimes gets thrown at organizations like Missio Invest is that we often hear that the focus of charity in the church should be on individual giving and not on institutional systems. There's a great suspicion of kind of institutional or governmental systems. So why is individual giving not enough to meet these local and global needs? Mm-hmm. So we like to talk about kind of the small door and the big door of, of financing, the small door being all of the individual contributions, which which are are really critical and and do do add up and, and make an impact over time, but you know aren't particularly in you know in places like addressing food insecurity um, and poverty in in certain parts of the globe just aren't aren't enough and also um, you know might not be as as visible and recurring into the future. You know, individual donors might come and go and might and might not provide that sustainable stream of resources. I think the um, additive power of of institutions getting involved is not only providing a greater financial resource towards these pressing problems, but also also supporting the from an institutional perspective, supporting the institutions that the church operates in in these countries. So, you know, I mentioned healthcare and education before. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that in mission territories, you know, it, per, for example, in Africa, the church owns you know, over 40,000 primary schools and 15,000 secondary schools across the continent, educating over 25 million children. That's just Catholic church-run schools. In Zambia, 60% of rural health care is provided by the Catholic Church. That's just, you know, kind of one example of the church institutions that are really critical in these environments and that need to be 
supported and sustained and it's going to take it's going to take institutional support as well as individual support to make sure that that those healthcare and education enterprises can continue their services. Well, with that being said, what are some things that my listeners can do to get involved or to help with the work of Missio Invest? Absolutely. So you can start by learning a little bit more at our website, which is www.missio.org slash invest. That's a way to, you can meet our project leaders. You can, can read about the the farms and the nuns and, and priests running them. And then you can also, you can even sign up for our newsletter on the website to stay informed and we'll, you know, we'll be sending out updates and, and stories from the field. And then, you know, if, if you feel um, compelled to, to contribute more, um, you know, there, there's also um, an opportunity to, to donate if, if you feel compelled to do so, which for us goes towards providing the, the technical assistance that I talked about earlier. So that's sending local agricultural experts to the farms to provide agricultural advisory, that's business and financial management training and support, and helping them to prepare, prepare their financial reports and their impact reports. Um, and basically just being there for them to, to make, to help make sure their projects are successful and that we're seeing that that typically costs around $5,000 per year per project between all of the, the site visits and the advisory. So it's, it's something that, you know, even, you know, from an individual perspective, even an individual contribution um, would help us to, to provide more support to those you know, to the likes of Sister Mary and uh, in Kasama, Zambia. <laughs> well, and you mentioned the the reporting aspect of this. Uh, when a when a person does give a donation to Missio Invest, what are some of the stories that they can expect to receive back from the field about about the successes that have happened with these various programs? Sure. Yeah. So I. Um, I'd love to talk about another another recent project that we worked with as an example. So Sister Veronica Kiari of the Little Sisters of St. Francis in Nakuru, Kenya, last year prepared a business plan to grow garden peas on a 12-acre farm and was so ambitious that she even went out and got a contract with an international exporter who agreed to provide her with the seeds, come visit her farm once a week, and then sell, go and export and sell her, sell her peas to supermarkets in Europe. So this very entrepreneurial sister came to us with this plan and said to do this, you know, I need to, I need to install irrigation. I need to drill a well, put in irrigation pipes. I need to purchase some farm equipment and fertilizer. And you know, it's going to take $100,000 to do all of that to, to help me succeed and, and produce peas for, for this exporter. And the, the ultimate goal of her project was to support her existing social ministry, which is a home for the elderly. In her area, as well as training local farmers on sustainable agriculture, 
and then also providing women's counseling services to, to the local community. So we we loved this plan and gave her a loan in uh, December of last year to, to install this irrigation and, and execute this plan. And already she has started producing peas. She's earning profits. She just made her first interest payment last month because she had so much excess profit that she said, I'm going to, I'm ready to, to start paying back that loan. And, and she's, you know, she's importantly, she's employing local community members on the farm. She's, you know, helping her congregation to, to become more self-sustainable and to expand its existing services to, to the elderly and, and the vulnerable in the community. And she's serving as an example to to other other nuns in the area, other women on on how to how to run a sustainable agribusiness, and is is really becoming kind of a a beacon of of excellence in that particular community. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Jewel Burge. She's vice president for lending at Missio Invest, an international organization that helps to combat global hunger and poverty by transforming underutilized church-owned farmland into sustainable sources of food, jobs, and self-sufficiency. We'll be back in a moment. Hey folks, this is David. Thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting the work that I do. As you might be aware, in addition to this show, I help produce a number of other programs about culture and faith. One of those is the Freedom Road Podcast. It's hosted by Lisa Sharon Harper. She's a front-lines, on-the-ground activist and advocate for issues of justice and peace. Each month, she gathers a group of leaders together to talk about progressive issues from a faith perspective. I record and produce the show, and every month I come away from the conversations deeply moved and having learned a ton about our world and the struggles for justice. I'd love for you to listen. You can find the Freedom Road podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as at their website, freedomroad.us. That's freedomroad.us. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Joelle Burge, Vice President for Lending at Missio Invest, an international organization that combats global hunger and poverty by transforming underutilized church-owned farmland into sustainable sources of food, jobs, and self-sufficiency. Well, one of the things that we know is that the climate is changing and that the change is tied up in things like the growth of, of crops and agriculture because the climate is changing because we have too much carbon dioxide in the air. So help me to understand how Missio Invest and the programs of Missio are helping to address and maybe even combat climate change. Sure. So let me start by saying that climate change is definitely something that is is keenly felt by the farmers that we work with. You know, they are coming to us and saying that their their growing seasons are shortened, the, the rains have become uh, more erratic and um, and unpredictable. So it's it is a, a problem that they're that they're experiencing. And so our financing and technical assistance specifically targets helping them to become more climate resilient. So what are some ways that we do that? So one is irrigation. A core component of almost every farm that we work with is 
ensuring a sustainable water supply. So many of them are relying on rainfall to grow their crops and are and are finding that that's becoming you know increasingly less predictable and, and reliable and are and are losing losing crops to drought. So we often help give them funding to to drill a well and install stall piping. Um, we and we work with them to design an irrigation system that is efficient for for water conservation. Um, we we like to use what's called drip irrigation, which basically um, delivers water um, exactly to the areas that need it without you know without wastage of, of sprinklers. Another area is clean energy. So many of our farms are, are using solar power to, to power their irrigation system, to, to provide energy for their farms. And, um, and we, we generally um, help them to, to install um, solar-powered generators and kind of give, help them with that preference for, for what will be best for the environment in the long term. And then, you know, we, we have some dairy farms that are actually capturing the biogas from the cows and using that as energy. So, for example, um, one seminary in Kenya, St. Matthias Seminary, has reduced their firewood consumption by 40% from the biogas produced through their dairy farm using a biogas digester, which, which they purchased with our loans. And then we also, on the clean energy topic, part of our business advisory that we provide is helping the, the project leaders to, to choose the most environmentally sustainable options for their business. So to give you one example, we just recently started a, a project in Nigeria that is producing smoked catfish. And their initial business plan was to use charcoal for smoking the fish, which is actually um, heavily linked to deforestation, particularly in Nigeria, where forests are, are cut down to, to produce charcoal that's, that's been used for cooking. So we talked with the, with the project leader about this and you said, what, what else could we do? And uh, he uh, Father Stephen Dumbiri was very enterprising and said, oh, well, I could use cooking gas instead. So he redesigned his business plan to use cooking gas for smoking and is now, you know, saving, you know, countless trees each year that would have been cut down to, to produce that charcoal. And then lastly, um, um, many of our farms utilize what's called integrated farming, which is putting together different agricultural enterprises that are symbiotic. For example, if there's a dairy farm and a corn farm on the same plot of land, the manure from the dairy farm can then be used as organic fertilizer for the maize. Or, you know, chicken droppings can be used for organic fish feed. So we, we like to... Um, leverage those ways to create sustainable inputs. And all of this is under um, the guiding principles of Pope Francis's encyclical De Laudato Si, which is the Holy Father's um, message on um, caring for our common home and, and using environmentally sustainable practices. And so that's kind of a, a guiding principle of ours and all of the investments that we do.
You mentioned early in our conversation that part of what brought you to Missio Invest from your banking background was that you wanted a place to integrate your faith with your work. In the couple of years that you've been working now in this field, how has your faith been impacted? How has your faith changed? Wow, yeah, I would say it's it's grown more than more than I could describe. It's you know, one of particularly as I think I could probably still call myself the young adult. I think one of the uh one of the things that's been really impactful for me has been going to, to Africa and meeting the priests and, and sisters that we work with who are often my age, if, if not younger. <laughs> um, and they are they're, um, running these businesses while also teaching in the school, counseling women and, and vulnerable populations and managing all this. And they're really kind of the future of the church. You know, I think for for Catholics in the U.S., we often, you know, we hear about declining priest population, about parishes that are closing because they don't have, you know, don't have enough priests or don't have enough parishioners. And it sometimes it can be we don't see the the growth of the church here um, in our daily communities. So for me, it's been really inspiring to go to these communities in in Kenya and in Zambia and, and see really the future of the church, these young women and men that have chosen to, to dedicate their lives to serving the church and to, to living out their faith. And um and that's been and and it's been really amazing to develop personal relationships with all of them. I you know, I think I have probably upwards of fifty priests and and nuns in my WhatsApp contacts now that um <laughs> I had to start keeping my phone on do not disturb in in the evening when it's you know business hours in Africa so that I wouldn't be woken up by pictures of their of their pea farm that they're so excited to share with me. It's it's been such such an incredible journey, um, and I, I've learned really learned so much from them, and and I'm excited to continue. Well, Joel Burge, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for telling us about Missio Invest and for your work. Thank you for taking a few moments to share with me and my listeners about how your work is literally impacting the world. Thank you so much for the time. It, it's it's been a pleasure. We've been speaking today with Jewel Burge. She's Vice President for Lending at Missio Invest, an international organization that combats global hunger and poverty by transforming underutilized church-owned farmland into sustainable sources of food, jobs, and self-sufficiency. Things Not Seen is produced by Sandberg Media, LLC. We're distributed nationally by PRX, the public radio exchange. Today's show was recorded at the William Adams Studios in beautiful Hyde Park, here on the south side of Chicago. Our studios have a home courtesy of the Zygon Center for Religion and Science, part of the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. Neither Zygon nor LSTC is responsible for the content of this program. Our theme music is composed by Gene Keeja. Our show is made possible in part through the generosity of our supporters on Patreon. You can find out how to help us create great programs by going to patreon.com slash notseenradio. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash notseenradio. You can follow us on Twitter at notseenradio. Visit us on Facebook and like our page to receive regular updates about the show and to find out more about our guests. That's facebook.com slash thingsnotseenradio. And you can sign up for the free podcast, listen to old shows, send us an email, 
and find out more about our guests if you visit us on the web at thingsnotseenradio.com. I'm David Dalt, and we'll be back next week with more conversations about culture and faith. Please join us.